Well, y'all turn in your Bibles. We're going to continue our study in uh, the life of Elijah. And it's funny, we're, we're actually talking little, very little about Elijah tonight. We're talking about Elisha. But it, it, he's tied in very closely to the life of Elijah. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. Just thank the Lord for a wonderful day, Sunday, this past Sunday. I appreciate those that helped cook and prepare and clean and set up and take down. Uh, we had a wonderful day. Just so you know what's going on back here, we've been working, uh, just while we're getting settled, uh, we've been working the last several months on getting some drainage, and it is, it is working. The property's getting dried out to where we can actually use it to hit a softball or whatever. And then uh, we've got some crushed concrete that we're kind of bringing little by little. We got it donated for free. So we're not paying for any of that material. We're paying for the trucking to haul it here, and we're uh, paying someone with a tractor to to spread it. But the, the plan is, just so you know, that eventually we'll come uh, off the end of the parking lot. Well, you can prob probably come in off this way. Come in this other driveway. We'll have this crushed concrete spread all the way around the back of the building, back around and back out to Harold's Ferry. So if we get a monsoon, like we've had a few on Sunday mornings or different days and nights, uh, we'll be able to drive around the back of the building. We're going to have a, a, a covered drop-off area that's going to cover the porch and it's going to extend out beyond and cover a, enough for a one car, like one lane to pull through there. So people, we could let, you know, someone out in the rain and they not get wet and come all the way into the building that way and then drive back around. So that's the plan and it's coming along slowly but surely. So just pray for that. The material that they're bringing it's kind of like limestone, but it sets up harder than that. When it's, when it's set, it'll be set. And so, uh, but right now, until that time, it's, it's, it's concrete that's scraped out of the trucks or scraped out of the, the plant that they make it when they're cleaning out their big uh, bins that they make the concrete. And they pile it up, and it's kind of wet, and it's chalky, and you could track the stuff all over the place. So asking that the, the kids and people that are playing outside just kind of stay away from that till we get it all finished and we get a couple of good rains on it to sort of have it set up. But that's, that's the plan. So be praying for that. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we're able to do that right now. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's pick up and read verses uh, 9 and we'll read from 9 through 15. And it came to pass when they were gone over, this is Elijah and Elisha walking right before Elijah's translated. Elijah said unto Elisha, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Elisha said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing or a difficult thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Remember, that was a condition of him receiving this request that he asked. Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he took his own, he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. 
And he took up also the mantle of Elisha that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted here and there, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest upon rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. It's an amazing thing. Like I said, you couldn't write, I don't think you can make, write fairy tales or stories any more thrilling than what God gives us in his holy word. And they're not stories, they're accounts, they're records that he's given to us. These are real men that knew God and walked with the Lord. Elijah was a man of like passions like as we are, amen? So we keep reminding ourselves of that, and so was Elisha. So there was the, at, there was the asking or the request, and then there was the answer. The asking was simply this. When the two were walking together, everybody knew, I say everybody, Elijah knew, Elisha knew, certainly the Lord knew, and the prophets and the schools of the prophets along the way in the different towns from you know, Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to Jordan, they knew. We know it from other scriptures that they knew that Elijah was about to be taken up to heaven. But Elisha was the one walking with them. Elisha is the one that years before, probably, God had called Elijah to anoint. You're, you've got some more work to do, Elijah, but when your work is done, this man, Elisha, is going to be the prophet in your place. All right? And so he ministered to him. Elisha was anointed. I kind of think of it like, like David. You know, David was anointed king when he was a shepherd boy. He was a shepherd boy anointed king while Saul was still acting as king, excuse me, and would be king for many more years. So he didn't actually take the office of being king and start acting as king for many years to come. And so Elisha was anointed to be prophet in Elijah's stead, but it was probably several years that he ministered. He went, he was like his servant. He was like his minister to Elijah, the man of God. That's the way it was supposed to be. And, and, uh, and at this moment, at this crucial moment when Elijah's about to depart, it, and the Lord prompted him to do this. The Lord prompted Elijah to say to Elisha, ask what you will from me before I'm taken away. And we talked about this last week. Elisha did not ask for anything selfish. He didn't ask for anything carnal. Uh, he didn't ask for wealth or riches or you know, or anything like that, popularity or power over men, anything like that. He asked for a double portion of the Holy Spirit that had so mightily worked in and through the life of Elijah. He says, I want that. Not only does he want that, he knew he needed that. God had called him, and he knew the calling of God upon his life. He might not know, certainly didn't know every detail of what that would entail, but he knew he dare not undertake that calling in practice without this outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his life. So y'all understand, he's asking for a good thing. He asked for the right thing. I just see the Lord in all of it. The Lord, the, the question being asked, the, the request that Elisha asked to receive, the answer, everything, it's the Lord. It was all the Lord. And so when he's taken up, when Elijah's taken up by the, in this supernatural way by these, this chariot of fire, carried off to heaven 
and he sees him go, and then he sees him no more. That's the last that he saw. But he did say, if you see me when I go, when I'm taken, you're going to receive what you've asked. If you don't, and so it was a test. It was a test of him staying and sticking with, uh, with Elijah till the end. I believe it was a test. It was a test of his faith, a test of endurance, a test of that perseverance. And God tests us all in those ways. We're going to look at another test here tonight. But so he's taken away. And the only thing remaining on this earth from Elijah was what? That mantle. That mantle fell to the ground. Okay? And in Eastern culture, it's become almost like a phrase, like a saying. Pass the mantle, right? Head coach passes it over when he retires to an assistant coach or something like that. You know, it's passing the mantle. And this is really, in this culture... And the mantle, in one sense, is just a garment. It's just an outer garment that you would wear over your, your rest of your clothes. But in one sense, it's just that, but it, it represented something. Okay, It represented, when, when we speak of passing the mantle, and in this culture, when somebody was taken over, like uh, Moses led the children of Israel for 40 years, and then God was ready to call him home. And Moses knows that there needs to be that next man. And he says, Lord, raise up someone to bring the children of Israel. And and the Lord says, I've got that under control. It's Joshua. I want you to go pray for him. And I'm going to take some of your spirit and put upon Joshua. Okay? It's a passing of the mantle. That's what is meant by that. And both men are still loved, and they were loved before, and they both knew God and walked with God before. But that calling passed from one to the other. Okay? And so the mantle falls. And I believe that at this point, Elisha knew his prayer had been answered. Just when it fell, when he saw it and he was able to pick it up, I believe he knew that his prayer was answered. And not necessarily a feeling. And that's the way it is with a lot of things with the Lord. It's not necessarily a feeling that he felt more holy at that moment after Elijah was taken and he's now the the prophet of the Lord for the hour. I don't know that he felt anything differently. Um, He might have, but it doesn't, Bible doesn't speak much about that in, in different places, but the mantle was passed and he believed because by faith he knew, but he believed that he was anointed of God to now carry on the work of the Lord. Okay, I know it sounds very simple, but he knew that. He wasn't confused, wondering, uh, is, this, is this really what, you know, that, that calling. He knew it was the calling of God upon his life, and he was going to walk in it. And so just by faith, y'all, faith. We just lay hold on these things by faith. I can't stress that enough. If there would be one theme or one word that I think of of Elijah, Elijah and then here with Elisha on this whole study, we've been months on the study of Elijah, it's going to be his faith to stand before the Lord, to stand in the presence of God, to receive from the Lord, and faith is going to obtain. It, faith will always obtain, whether it's later or sooner, faith is always going to get. It's going to apprehend. If you need an answer, faith is going to lay hold. When God's ready, we're going to receive the answer. We'll be there waiting to receive the answer, Okay healing, whatever it may be, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, uh, strength for the day, strength for a ministry, anointing for the ministry, faith is going to obtain and lay hold. 
The just shall live by faith. There's not another way. There's not a plan B. We believe God despite what we see or we don't, right? We believe God or we don't. And that's, he's able to strengthen our faith just by hearing the word of God tonight. Our, our faith is going to be strengthened if we'll lay hold on it. But I, I want to, uh, you know, I said it's not the mantle itself that fell to the ground. And people can get caught up in stuff like that. You know, they, uh, they can worship uh, icons and worship things that have been used in some spiritual way, like worshiping the staff of Moses or something like that. It's not Moses nor his staff. It's the God of Moses. All right, but, but the, the mantle was significant in the sense of what it represented, just like uh, uh, Samson's hair. There's nothing magical about his hair. His hair didn't give him supernatural power to, to kill 3,000 Philistines with a jawbone of a, of a donkey. Uh, God gave him that power and authority. God gave Samson the strength to rip up the city gates of the Philistines and throw them over the cliff. Uh, it wasn't his hair, but it's what his hair represented, okay? His hair represented that vow to God, that Nazarite vow that he had taken. So just understand that. It's not the object, but it is the ob- is what it represents that is important. It is important because of what it represents. And so here's what we're going to talk about tonight. As soon as he received, you know, the, this happened quickly. They're walking and talking, and they're separated. Boom. Elijah's taken up in a chariot a fire to heaven. He watches him go. The mantle of Elijah falls to the ground. He tears his own mantle and he cries out, oh, my father, my father. You know, he was just an, a, an amazing moment, but it was very quick. And as soon as he picked up that mantle, he was, his faith was tested. The moment he picked it up and turned around, he had to cross the river. The moment he picked it up, there was an overflowing Jordan River between him and where God had called him to go and where he needed to go. And that calling was tested and his faith was tested. That's not a bad thing. We're tested. Students are tested in school. Athletes are tested, you know, at, at different to, to see improvement or if they've learned or have, or have gotten stronger or faster or more skilled. Uh, uh, doctors are tested to see if that what they practice they can put into practice. We're all tested through life. Okay, it's not a bad thing. And God does it in the most kind way, the gracious way, but he does it in his wisdom and he knows how to test us. Okay, and so as soon as he picked up that mantle, his his faith was tested and and he went and he stood by the Jordan River. He went back and stood by the bank. If you're looking at verse 13, Second Kings 2, 13. He took up also the mantle of Elisha that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Now Elijah's gone. Elijah used to do this kind of thing, okay? He just tagged along with Elijah. I'm not saying he wasn't a wonderful man of God, Elisha. I'm saying this would have been what Elijah did. He did it just moments before. They just crossed it going the other way. Now he's got to cross it going back. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? So his faith is tested. He passed the test, amen? And God was faithful. And it says, and when he also had smitten the waters, they parted here and there, and Elisha went over. Now I want to talk about this test for just a moment. He, he prayed for a double portion of the Holy Spirit that had dwelt upon 
in and through and upon Elijah that enabled Elijah to do what he did. He prayed for a double portion. He, by faith, knew he received it, and he had to act upon that faith. He had to act upon what he knew to be true. And can I tell you, this is a very simple truth, but it's very important for every believer in here. We have to act upon our faith, or it's not genuine faith. If we can't act upon what we believe, if I can't pick a promise of God, not pick a promise, but be directed by the Holy Spirit to a promise of God, just for example, uh, uh, giving to the things of God, the, the widow casting in her two mites, I'm just picking that, okay? I see great faith in that because she cast in all her living. She wasn't she didn't keel over dead after that. She still had to live, and she had to have means by which to continue to live. When she casted in her living, she had to know, I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. He's ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. He had to know that. She had to know that. You understand? What we have to, if, if, we're, if our faith is not enough to support us, to step out upon it, then it, that faith needs to be strengthened. It's not real faith. It's, a, it's an agreement where we I agree, I agree with the Bible. But it's not just for me to agree with the Bible. It's for me that just shall live by faith. It, it's a point, there's a point where, and again, I always use this, but all those disciples that were on the boat at night in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, probably believed that they could walk on water if the Lord told them to. But one man stepped out of the boat and actually walked on water. Jesus said, come. Okay, there's, there's the promise or there's the directive from the Lord. Come. If it's really you, Lord, bid me to come unto you. Jesus said, come. Well, that, that's an action. It requires an action on Peter's part, right? Oh, it would be awesome to walk on water. I really think I could. Wouldn't it be amazing? We could think about that all day long, but at some point when we know it's the Lord... There has to be stepping out of the boat and walking on that. Walking on water, which men can't walk on water. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The, our, our life is filled with that. The Lord wants our lives to be filled with that. He, he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're brought to places where it's greater than us all the time. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 4. We're... we're that we're brought to places where we're at the end of ourselves. We're brought to the places where we're weak and the, the enemy is strong. We're weak and the, and the job that lies ahead is way too great for me. Can't even begin to undertake it. God brings us to places like that. And then he says, will you trust me? Will you believe me? And we have to step out of the boat, so to speak. I'm not talking about being presumptuous and naming it your own destiny. I'm talking about hearing from God, from the Word of God, and from the knowing from the Holy Spirit that thing is quickened in you and stepping out to obey. That's all that Elijah, Elisha did. We don't read a bunch of other things that went into this, but he, he says, where's the God of Elijah? And he smites the waters, and the waters parted. And these other prophets... They probably could, they couldn't see exactly what happened to Elijah when he was taken, but they were at a distance where they could see Elisha coming back, and they said, oh, the spirit of Elijah now rests upon Elisha. He had a request, 
and then there was an answer. And I would say beyond the answer, there was an evidence of it. His prayer was answered, I believe, as soon as he prayed it, and he saw Elijah go. The prayer was answered. There was evidence of it when he smoked the waters. Who would dare to do such a thing? Who would dare to command waters to part? You understand what I'm saying? Who would dare to do that? Um, it's, it's faith. Where's the God of Elijah? Okay, and the waters parted. So his faith was tested. We see this all through the Bible. So you can keep your spot marked there in, uh, in 2 Kings. And turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at the very end of Matthew chapter 3. This is Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And Jesus, verse 16, 316. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, so we all know this moment, all right? It's in the. I think three of the four Gospels, this is, this is written. And so he's baptized, and the Father speaks, this is my beloved Son. Well, as soon as that happened, that statement, this, Jesus Christ, my, is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, that was put to a test. Let's keep reading for chapter 4. Then, this is right immediately, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil or tried or tested. Certainly Satan wanted him to sin. His father was strengthened, testing him. It was a proving ground. It was a test that it was, he was required to go through before he proceeded into his public ministry, okay, and ultimately the cross. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and was afterwards, he was afterwards a hungered, and when the tempter came, to him, what did he tempt him with? What did, what did the father just say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Satan says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. We're always going to be tested. Life something, and it's usually going to be sooner rather than later. And the new calling of God upon our life, something that the Lord's done in our lives, we're going to be tested right there. It's, it's necessary. It's almost like a... Uh, a furnace or a fire or a testing ground that, that we have to pass through that God sees is needed to prepare us. He's gifted us. He's anointed us. He's called us, whatever, whatever it is he's called us to do. But there's a, there's a testing to that. And it can be severe. We're tested right there in that spot. And Jesus was tested right here in that spot. If you're the son of God. Well, there's no question he was the son of God. Okay, he knew he was. The father knew he was. Angels in heaven knew he was. The demons believed and trembled. And yet, it's, he's tested right in that spot. If you're the son of God, do command these stones be made bread. And so forth. And there was two more temptations. But the point is that as soon as he was anointed and the Holy Spirit came upon him in, the, in that fashion and the voice testified from heaven, the father of who he was, he was tested. Don't be surprised when you're tested. Don't think because God's called you to something or anointed you for something, you know it. Elisha knew he was anointed years before he was anointed to be the prophet in Elijah's stead. But he still was tested at that moment. 
that he became that when Elijah was taken away. We're going to be tested. God's not testing us to crush us. He's testing us to prove us. Satan wants you to sin and fall and not go on. Failed, flat on your face, and or be afraid or something and not go on. God wants to strengthen us and build us up. And we'll always have that strength and that undergirding. Elisha could always think back when his faith might have wavered just at some other point. He would always think back, no, the God of Elijah is with me, right? And he could smoke those waters. And so we see this, the, the early apostles, I think of Peter and John, they waited for the promise, right? You'll be endued with power from on high. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That was what they were waiting for. That was the promise. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Most people say they waited about 10 days, okay, and prayed. They received it. They were instantly tested. They preached the gospel. That was wonderful. 3,000 people got saved. That was wonderful. But it was just within a day or so. I don't know exactly how soon, but very quickly that they healed the lame man and 5,000 people got saved. And they're brought before the religious council. They're commanded, this power, right? You're going to be witnesses unto me. They received that anointing. They knew they received anointing. There was evidence of it, but it still was put to the test. We're delivered unto death that the life also of Christ may be made manifest in our mortal bodies. That's what the scriptures say. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, but it's tested. God wants it to burst out. I'm the little puny, weak person, and yet a mighty God lives inside of me, and he can send me against an army or a Red Sea or a Jordan River or a religious council who has power to throw me in jail or beat me or kill me, and God wants to say, you just wait. (laughs) You see what I'm going to do. I'm going to show myself mighty. He puts it to the test so he can show himself mighty. He kept running Moses and Aaron back over to to, to, uh to Pharaoh over and over and over again. He could have just brought him out the first time. But it was a test to show that the gods of Egypt and their idols were nothing and Pharaoh was nothing. And Almighty God is Almighty God. And he can bring out everyone and not one hoof is left behind. Weak people, no weapons, no uh, army, no nothing. They got their cattle, their little babies, their nursing babies, their, their co- everything. They're hauling all their stuff in wagons and coats and And here comes Pharaoh's army. God wants to show, put that against Pharaoh and his mighty army and his mighty nation and his mighty wealth and power and arrogance and all the gods of Egypt. Let's set up a battle between these two and show who's God. God tests us and don't be afraid of the test. Where's the God of Elijah? He's right here. Amen. He's right here, and he's right here with you, and he's right here with me. You know what? When Peter and John were tested, uh, the men, all they could do, it says when they beheld the lame man, who was not lame anymore, standing with them, they said they couldn't say anything else. It was, I mean, they did say some other things, but you know what I mean? It, it kind of like shut their mouths. What can we say? They never healed the lame man. Peter and John, in the name of Jesus Christ, told him to rise up and walk. He was healed. And it was like, what can, we, what can we say? The man is healed, right? And when we walk with God, our faith is going to be tested. Weak is tested for the glory of God. 
It, and all the glory goes to him because we are weak. It is an earthen vessel. There's nothing special about this flesh and bones and blood. It's what's in the earthen vessel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And our faith is tested, and we believe he's in me. He's called me to do this. He's called me to preach to that angry mob. He's called me to whatever it may be. And we stand up and we, we step out of the boat. Otherwise, our, our faith, faith is always to be in action. It's to be laying hold on something. And so God, uh, God tests our faith and we step out. Amen? We step out of the boat. Now I want to move on just with a, uh, one more thought before we close tonight. And that is this, when if God's testing your faith or my faith or he's calling us to something, we need to just trust him and believe. We take up the mantle, so to speak. We take up the mantle. Elisha took up the mantle. He didn't just leave it there and say, oh, that's nice. I got my own mantle. I don't need that. He took it up. And we're to, to take that. We have other believers. And in a sense, it could be compared to other believers that God, maybe older believers or more mature believers in your life that God's put in your life. And, you know, you can almost take the mantle. They've, the Lord's called his weary workers home, and you're still here. The ministry is the Lord's. The calling is the Lord's, okay? The work is the work of the Lord. God took Elijah home, but the work still continued. Didn't it? The work still continues. It still continues today. And so though he takes an Elijah home, God has in the wings prepared an Elisha. And that Elisha is to take up the mantle, so to speak, and to keep serving. The work is the Lord's work. And the power to do the work is the Lord's power. Elijah may go, but the God of Elijah stays. Brother Clendenin may go, but the the work of Clendenin, preaching the gospel and so forth, continues. And so we're just going to be plugged in there. And, but we have their lives, and I'm thankful for the lives of for their people in the Bible. I always talk about people like Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, different people, D.L. Moody. Uh, we have the lives of people and people that you know personally. Maybe the one that led you to the Lord. Maybe someone that discipled you in the Lord someone instrumental in your life and we can and they've gone on to be with the lord the lord's called them home but the god of that individual is still here and we're not to say oh it's it's hopeless now because elijah's gone it's not hopeless now elisha's there but more importantly the lord's there and he has an elisha in the wings okay and he has the elisha so we can follow their lives paul said follow me as i follow christ Paul says, as you have us for examples, and so we walk in, in obedience to Christ, and we have real people that we can look at their lives or read about, or people in the Bible, or people that we've known have prayed with us. Maybe the person that, like I said, led you to the Lord, they put their hands on you, and you received the Holy Ghost, or you, you were confused and about to give up the faith, and God used them instrumentally in your life. It was the Lord. The glory goes to God, but that was a willing vessel that God used to help you in Christ. And so we take up the mantle, so to speak. We pray for the same Holy Spirit that was upon them and in them. 
God's not a respecter of persons. If he's done it for one, he'll do it for all. And we take up the, the mantle, so to speak, and in, in unwavering faith, we move forward. We move forward. The God of Elijah is still here. Amen? God of Elijah is here long after Elijah is swept up into glory in that fiery chariot. And so I just want to encourage you with that. You know, you wonder why, why are some men and women used so extraordinarily uh, in such an extraordinary way and others aren't? Well, it could be just that they were called to that. But maybe they were called to that because of their faith. They trusted God. And they didn't have a plan B to fall back on. It's the Lord's going to come through or nothing. And they, they, I know that I've talked about that before. But God wants us to trust him like that. Elisha picked up the mantle, walked to the river, smote the waters and says, where's the God of Elijah? The waters parted and he walked across. He was tested right away, and his faith in the Lord was, was genuine. It was sufficient. If we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, but it's real faith, not a dead faith, but a living faith, then, then we can do similar things. And, and God, God desires, almost said needs, but God desires to use you, and he desires to use me, and he desires to use those that are truly born of the Spirit of the Lord to, to show forth his glory in this hour. There's just as much a need today for an Elijah as there was in this day. There's much, just as much a need for an Elisha. The nation was given over to idolatry and worship of Baal from the, the king on down. And God was desiring to turn the people's hearts back to them, to him. And there's no, no, not much difference in the world in which we live now and, and our nation right now. Trust the Lord. Amen. Trust God. Step out of the boat. Hear from God. Know that you've heard from God. Believe him and step out to do whatever he's called you to do. Know that you've heard from him and step out. Do you can come. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord God. And Father, just such a, a simple truth, but a wonderful truth, God. Where's the God of Elijah? He's here. You're here. You're here with us, Lord God. You didn't die when Elijah was swept up to heaven. You didn't depart from the earth when you called David home or Isaiah home or Paul or John or John the Baptist. You didn't leave this earth, God. You told us to go out and preach this gospel. And you said, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age, end of the world. And Father, just like you used Peter and John, their faith was tested, and this new anointing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was tested immediately. God, you test us. Lord, I pray you would give us the faith to pass the test. Help us to be still and know that you're God. Help us to believe you, Father God. You said all things are possible to him who believes, God. The altars are open. Jesus is going to play for a few moments. You come and you ask God to strengthen your faith. Ask God to increase your faith, to step out of the boat. That the faith is not just somewhere on the back burner that you believe you have faith, but that you would, by faith, and I would step out to do what God's called us to do. 
Father, we need your spirit in order to do this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling, the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Pray that you would help your people. Empower us, God, for this hour. Give us ears to hear you, Father, and hearts of faith to believe you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.